So the results of my hair tissue mineral analysis came back. And today we're going to go over why I seemingly am showing signs of low testosterone, low thyroid, low adrenals. And am I really that bad off? Welcome to Gut Check Radio, the health and wellness podcast, giving you the confidence to trust in your gut. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Belden, a board certified chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. And just for those of you who are aware, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition and do not apply any of this information you hear in this podcast without first speaking with your physician. What's up, GCR listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Gut Check Radio. This is our first video version that we are producing simultaneously, and I figured the best way to introduce our audience to the visual platform is to go over my really extensive year lab review. And so what I do is once a year, I run several different labs on myself to really, you know, get a, a, a check under the hood evaluation of what's going on with my physiology, my biochemistry, my metabolic health. Do I have any heavy metals? Do I have any vitamin or mineral deficiencies? Am I too stressed? Are my hormones a wreck? It's all what we're trying to uncover by running these extensive labs. And what I want to do is really start with building off of the the hair tissue mineral analysis. This is something that I'm becoming more familiar with. This is actually a, a testing methodology that's been around for decades. So it has has had a lot of time to be vetted by the market and to be had a lot of the kinks worked out, whereas a lot of these newer functional medicine stool, urine, salivary testing hasn't had enough time to be scrutinized and to be updated and really to be honed in on. So I thought that the hair tissue mineral analysis would make for great understanding to know more about, you know, I know what my labs say about my thyroid and testosterone hormones, and I know what my DEXA scan results say. And I really wanted to know when running this, what did the results of the hair tissue mineral analysis say, and do they match up with that? And also, do they match up with my Oura Ring data? The Oura Ring is one of my favorite devices to wear. What I touch on is the hair tissue mineral analysis. What it's doing is it's looking at your, your mineral status and trying to give an estimate as to the state of your nervous system. Are you in a more fight or flight sympathetically driven state or are you more parasympathetic, the state that's typically associated with the rest and digestible state? And it's not like either one of those is off or on. It's it's really this continuum and your, your nervous system is always vacillating back and forth between those two. So based on the results of my hair tissue mineral analysis, they said I was metabolic type, slow type one. What that meant when they say slow is that I'm more parasympathetically dominant. And we can even go over here to one of the trace minerals newsletters. As you can see here, it has the parasympathetic mineral pattern versus the sympathetic mineral pattern. And they're really the stark contrast or notices in the first four minerals. In the parasympathetic mineral pattern, you're seeing a much higher relative amount of calcium and magnesium from the hair sample relative to sodium and potassium. And in the sympathetically driven mineral pattern, you're seeing a higher abundance of sodium and potassium relative to calcium and magnesium. And for those of you listening on a podcast, really, it's, it's a bar chart and the sodium and potassium are much higher in the sympathetic mineral pattern. And in the parasympathetic mineral pattern, we see much higher amounts on this bar chart of calcium and magnesium relative to the sympathetic mineral pattern. I would say on the sympathetic mineral pattern, calcium is about a fourth and magnesium is about a 10th. It's, it's much significantly lower. If we go back to my results, there's honestly not, it's not, for those of you listening over the podcast, 
there's really not that much of a stark contrast in those four ratios of calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium. They're all pretty equivocal in terms of where they fall on the chart in terms of the reference range. So they're all right about in the middle of what trace minerals spits out for its reference range. And I could do an entire hour-long monologue on my opinions on reference ranges, but I think it, it gets us in the ballpark, and I think it really gets the conversation going. And I, I think I do so show some signs of parasympathetic dominance based on my mineral pattern. I mean, my magnesium, for looking at the bar chart, is one of the highest of, of the tested minerals, even though it's still in the middle of the reference range, it's higher relative to things like calcium, sodium, and potassium. But there's nothing, honestly, from these first four that really jump out at me and say, oh my gosh, like I'm too sympathetic or I'm too parasympathetic. It's not really something I'm worried about. But what is fascinating to then to cross-reference this with is my Aura Ring data. So the Aura Ring is one of my favorite devices for measuring the state of your nervous system, for measuring specifically your heart rate variability and your resting heart rate, which both of those objective tools give us great insights into what is happening into your stress response. How stressed are you? You may, you may say to yourself, man, I feel fine. I'm not stressed in the slightest when you could be stressed to the nine, or you could be saying, gosh, I'm so stressed all the time. But when you look at your data, you're actually more resilient than you give yourself credit. So what I want to do is take what the hair test said that I was more parasympathetically dominant. And then I want to go to my aura ring data and see, did they, did they match up or is it all just a bunch of fake news? So for those of you watching on YouTube right now, I am in my aura cloud, which gives you a pretty thorough breakdown of all of your statistics from the aura ring. For those of you listening to my podcast, what essentially we're looking at is a graph of the entire time I've worn my aura ring and plotted on the y-axis is my heart rate variability. So what I have plotted is the entire time I've worn the ring and I've worn the ring now for about, about nine months. So I have plenty of nightly readings to really get a sense on, okay, what has my HRV been over that entire time? And my HRV based on aura is 55 milliseconds. Now, the next question, majority of you are probably wondering, is that good or bad? And the answer, yes, it's, it's really, it's always not great to just look at your HRV and just say good, good or bad. You want to compare yours to yourself previously. You want to look at the fluctuations. But one thing we also can do that Aura was nice enough to do is they looked at all their internal data of HRV for both male and female and stratified it by age. So now what we can do is we can compare my HRV based on my age to other males in my same age range. This is from Aura's website. So we have HRV by age. And really, for those of you listening on the podcast, what you see is over time, you see a, a, a sort of slow decline in HRV. And that's very common for your heart rate variability to decline as you age. And we probably see the biggest drop off between the ages of 30 and 40. And me currently being a 28-year-old male, although by the time you're listening to this, I might have had my 29th birthday. If you look at my, so for those of you watching on YouTube, we're going to go to the red line here that says male. And then we're going to come right about to at age 30. As you can see, the average HRV for a male my age is about 55. So for those of you listening to a podcast, what that means is that my average HRV is right about average with the people who wear the aura ring for males my age, which is to me, it's it's nice to see that, okay, there's I know there's a lot of health conscious people that are using the aura ring. So their data is a very good reference range that Aura's internal data has. So I thought that was really cool. So this checks out as that my average HRV says that I am very average. <laughs> But you don't always love to be average, but hey, you, you win some, you lose some. And comparing that back to my hair tissue mineral analysis, it said that I was more parasympathetic than normal. But then when you look at the actual layout of the minerals, 
it doesn't really look that convincing. But the next thing I want to show you all is my average resting heart rate relative to Aura. So we can use HRV to compare nervous system state. We can also use your average resting heart rate to really get a sense of, is your nervous system more sympathetic or parasympathetically driven? So we have returned back to the Aura cloud to look at my data. And what we're looking at is the same thing. We're looking at a chart of the entire time I've worn my Aura ring. And on the y-axis is plotted my average heart rate in beat per minute. And specifically my lowest heart rate, because what Aura does is the ring reads your heart rate every five minutes while you're sleeping. And then it can get an it gets your lowest heart rate during the night, which is a very good indication of how stressed or recovered your body is. And my average lowest resting heart rate, 38 beats per minute. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that I had an episode of food poisoning right about Thanksgiving, and my heart rate was significantly elevated relative to normal. And you can see I've had other times where it's subsequently been very low relative to normal, and it's there's um, so many factors that play into that. But I, I think the trend overall speaks to 38 beats per minute. That's what mine is. Now we want to see relative to other Aura users. And is that is that low? Because if that's lower than a lot of users, that actually would agree with the hair tissue mineral analysis assessment of me being parasympathetic. And if I'm average compared to other Aura users, that would mean that the hair tissue mineral analysis results weren't the best for the state of the nervous system. Here we are on Aura's website again looking at resting heart rate by age. And specifically in this graph, we're looking at the lowest resting heart rate. So this is the lowest heart rate aura measured during your night of sleep. And for the listeners on the podcast, we'll give you some lowdown here. So on the x-axis, so going vertically, or excuse me, horizontally across the x-axis, we have age between males and females. And then on the y-axis, we have the resting heart rate measured in beats per minute. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna come over to roughly age 30, because we'll just assume it's closest for proximity for me. And males are the red line. So you can see the average for a male my age is about 52 beats per minute. So me being at 38, <laughs> that means that I have a 14 beats per minute lowest heart rate compared to people of my same age and gender. That's significant <laughs> to me. That is a finding that to me, when I saw my HRV was right about average, I thought, oh, okay, I'm expecting my resting heart rate to also be pretty average. And then to see that it's significantly below average was very sort of eye-opening to me. And, you know, I'm still unpacking, is this good or bad? I think it just is. And I don't necessarily think it's something to worry about. I, I would love to sit here and say it's because of my superior fitness levels. Do I work out? Yes, I've, I've been doing CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting for about the past five years. But I have by no means been doing hours of endurance training, which you typically would associate with a pretty low resting heart rate. I know... You know, people poo-poo genetics. I think there's some factor to that. My father has traditionally had a very low heart rate. So I think there's some of that at play. And also I I do try very, very diligently to, to manage my stress and meditate and do breath work and to really prioritize sleep. So that also could be playing a factor. So all these environmental factors are heavily influencing this number. And this just tells me that my resting heart rate is pretty low. Next up, they actually have a normal distribution curve. So for those of you listening to a podcast, you can think of this normal distribution graph as sort of a reverse U in that you're, it's collecting all this data. And in the middle, you sort of have this, or you have this mountain type shape where you have the climb and then you have it coming up. And the peak of that mountain is really said to be the mean or the average. So the average lowest resting heart rate. And then the troughs of that mountain or the, or the come downs sort of tell you you know, are you on either end 
of the spectrum. And if you, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see from this normal distribution curve that I am a resting heart rate about 38. So I am way below <laughs> the bottom 5%, likely the bottom 1%. You know, typically you might see one or two other plots for one or two standard deviations. I would imagine based on these results that I am outside of two standard deviations, specifically below the mean, which further coincides with and gives more visual to the idea that my resting heart rate is really, really low. And now I want to return to the the newsletter from Trace Minerals, the company that performs the hair tissue mineral analysis, because they have below the parasympathetic mineral pattern health conditions that might be associated with parasympathetic activity. For those of you listening on the podcast, I'll read a few aloud that I think are most related to me. So under the health conditions characterized as parasympathetic, my labs, which we'll get into in a second, have showed a tendency toward hypothyroidism. So that was very interesting to see that. I don't, I do have lab evidence of autoimmunity, specifically Hashimoto's, which we'll get to momentarily. I have had episodes of orthostatic hypotension. So one of the conditions they listed is hypotension, which really has to do with an inability for your arteries to compensate as you stand up too quickly and then blood doesn't pump as well. And then you, you faint or you get syncope is the fancy medical speak. I've managed that pretty well with electrolyte intake. And those are the ones that really, really stuck out for me the most. So now that we know, or that Trace Minerals has said, hey, you know, you might be hypothyroid, you might have some autoimmunity going on based on your parasympathetic mineral pattern. Does that make sense based on my lab work? Here on a Google Sheets chart, I have my hormone-specific labs for since the period of 2019. I've gotten these labs once a year. And for the listeners on a podcast, I'll try and be as descriptive as I can. So what I'm looking at here is when I run thyroid labs, I used to be very, very thorough and run all the, you know, reverse T3, free T3, T3 uptake, total T3, total, total T4. But what I realized is that there's really only two markers that really tell you clinically what's going on. You can run all the data you want to and you'll get some cool information, but you might not always get clinically actionable information. So when I ran my thyroid labs now, I really pay attention to TSH, or thyroid stimulating hormone, which is the hormone your brain, specifically your pituitary gland produces to tell your thyroid, hey, make me some hormone. And then free T4, which is the hormone that is most sensitive to changes in TSH. So the reason your doctor has probably always run a free T4 as opposed to total is because free is the one that will change the most as your TSH fluctuates. So it's, it gives us a very good idea of how sensitive your thyroid is. And anything for visually, for the people watching on YouTube, anything you see in red is outside of the lab range. Anything in yellow is outside of the functional range or optimal range that I use with a few of my patients. I think we can pay more attention to the red. As you can see, my TSH since about 2019 has been above the lab range. And so diagnostically, you could call that subclinical hypothyroidism. So that's what sort of the hair tissue mineral analysis was aiming toward, which is sort of interesting. You know, that's another concordant data set. And then if we look at my TPO antibodies, which TPO stands for thyroid peroxidase, and these are markers of autoimmunity. So it's essentially saying that your immune system has tagged a particular part of your thyroid as a problem child, for lack of a better word. As you can see for the people watching on YouTube, my TPO antibodies have been above 300. And typically, so you can see the average here, they've been averaging in the mid five, mid 500s. And clinically for me, if I see TPO antibodies above 300, that's when I'm wanting to know more. And so for to me to be 
every single time above 300. If I were to go to a traditional endocrinologist, they would diagnose me with Hashimoto's. Now I've done a lot of work on myself and with the people that I work with in that just because your labs meet a particular diagnostic criteria doesn't mean we need to give you and your nervous system and your body the label Hashimoto's because once you have a label, it becomes that much easier to attach and identify, which sounds great, but then that actually makes it harder to heal because your body now associates you with Hashimoto's. So we try to disassociate from the lab findings, but the lab findings are still an incredibly important piece of information. So the hair tissue meta-analysis suspected that based on me being more parasympathetically driven, which we confirmed via the O-ring, I might have a more tendency for hypothyroidism and for Hashimoto's. And wouldn't you know, that's kind of where we're headed. One last final piece, my free T4. So anything below 0.8, the lab flags as low and some people have different ranges. Mine the has averaged out to be about 1.07. So I'm, I'm pretty close. To, I'm lower on the reference range for free T4. It's, it's not clinically diagnostic of hypothyroidism. It, it, it's getting there. And it's one of the things that I'm continuously checking. And it's one thing I'm starting to pay more attention to on my patients. But also, you know, your absolute hormone level, or just because it says I have 1.2 nanograms per deciliter free T4, does not mean that is an absolute thing, right? That, that number fluctuates tremendously based on TSH. And these labs aren't perfect, but they get us in the ballpark. So one thing I want to look at next is, do I have any heavy metal burden? And hair tissue mineral analysis actually has been used by the EPA for monitoring exposure to environmental chemicals and specifically heavy metals. And it's, it's much better for analyzing some than others. I will say for things like arsenic and cadmium and aluminum, it's very good. Blood testing is great for lead and mercury. You really want to get a, a threefold analysis from hair, stool, and urine. So I really, what I'm paying most attention to on this in terms of heavy metals is arsenic, cadmium, and aluminum. And as you can see, for those of you watching on YouTube, arsenic is within the reference range. So it's not a concern for those of you listening to the podcast. It is not flagged as high. And the reason I'm paying attention to heavy metals is we know heavy metals can disrupt thyroid function. So that's one thing, especially, and they can be a contributor to autoimmunity. So that's one of the things we want to pay attention to. Is, is there any heavy metal burden in my body? The only heavy metal that was above the reference range was uranium. So for those of you watching on YouTube, you see uranium here and it is above this little bottom bar right here. And I, I did some digging. So I currently live in the Phoenix, Arizona area and uranium is commonly found in people who live in very rocky areas. And Phoenix is essentially just one giant rock or <laughs> the state of Arizona. I mean, try to dig a hole in Phoenix I'll see you in two years. <laughs> Good luck trying to dig through that clay and dirt. And we also have, from running a few of these on other people in local to Arizona, uranium is one that tends to pop up above the reference range. So as of now, I'm sort of seeing it as a as a nothing burger, nothing really that I, I, people should be concerned with, but I think it is something that I'm going to continue monitoring over time. So the other two metals, metals that I'm concerned with in terms of thyroid function and autoimmunity, said it's cadmium and aluminum. And both of them are essentially undetectable. I mean, very, very minor amounts. So this really, this was very reassuring to me to know that, hey, it seems my body is either doing a phenomenal job at handling a heavy metal burden, or I'm, I'm doing a lot with my water consumption habits, my food habits, and just my overall lifestyle to really minimize my heavy metal burden. The next thing that the hair tissue mineral analysis does a really, really good job of is it gives you ratios. And ratios give you a more global 
understanding of are you more slow metabolic, fast metabolic? Or do you have more hypo, hyperthyroid, hypo, hyperadrenal function? Could that be early indication of blood sugar, potential insulin resistance and diabetes? Again, none of these are perfect, but it, it is really cool to get multiple different data points from different bodily fluids. So blood testing, aura ring data, and then results from my hair and to compare them and really see what the totality of the, of the evidence points to. So we have these different ratios here that is really often talked about hair tissue mineral analysis. First one, those of you on YouTube, those of you listening, it's called CAP, CA calcium, P phosphorus. And according to the Trace Minerals website, this gives us an indication of metabolic rate. And my calcium to phosphorus ratio is essentially, they say ideal is about 2.6. I'm at about 3.2. So to me, that's not something that I'm worried about that says that, hey, my metabolic rate, even though the, the lab says I'm slow, I think really it's just sort of a sort of a gross misrepresentation. And I think for the most part, I would say my metabolic rate is fine. The next ratio we come to is sodium to potassium here. That's the NAK right here. And this is what the website says. It's really associated with overall vitality. And sodium and potassium are the minerals that allegedly are most responsive to changes in your inflammatory status. Different hormones will be secreted in response to an inflammatory event that will subsequently lead to a retention in sodium and a depletion of potassium and vice versa. And my sodium to potassium ratio is literally ideal. They say ideal is 2.4. I'm at 2.5. So I'm not worried about it at all. And, and then we start to come to a couple ratios that are really worth double clicking on and are actually starting to tell a little bit of a picture. So the first one we're looking at here, for those of you on YouTube, is the calcium to potassium ratio. And this is what the Trace Minerals website says associated with thyroid function. And what they say is if this ratio is elevated above a certain threshold, it could be in, in indicative, again, not diagnostic, but it could help us paint a picture that you might be in a lower thyroid state. So what's very interesting here is my calcium to potassium ratio is right at the top end of the reference range. So it's just on the cusp of being considered high. And they say that anything ideal is 4.2, I'm at 6.3, and they say anything between three to eight is considered fine. But what's interesting is I'm trending toward lower thyroid. And if we return to my blood labs, my TSH being elevated with lower than, with low end of range T4 kind of points to the, me being more being low thyroid function. So it's it was very cool, honestly, for me to see these concordant data points. The next ratio is by far the most significant. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that this bar chart here is essentially at the top end of the box meaning this thing is elevated. And for those of you listening on the podcast, this is the zinc to copper ratio. Ratio, So both incredibly impactful minerals and what they say this ratio is most associated with is hormones and hormone imbalances. So I'm at 17.5 and they say anything above 15 is considered extremely high and it has the potential for being related to hormone imbalances. So what's very interesting is now that we, the hair tissue mineral analysis reflects that it might have some hormone imbalances, we can look at my actual hormone blood labs and see, again, is that a bunch of noise or is it something worth double clicking on? So for those of you watching on YouTube, you see this bottom part in the blue lines here is my hormone analysis. And for those of you listening on the podcast, I'll be try to be as descriptive as I can. So when we're looking at total testosterone, we want total testosterone ideally to be above four to 500. Anything below 400, 
we're double clicking on and anything below sort of 250, the lab's gonna flag as low. And my testosterone in the four, since I've been 2019, since I've been measuring it yearly, has never been above 500. In fact, the average is in the low 300s. And I've actually, back in May of 2022, at 211 was the lowest my testosterone has ever been. And the, the lab even flagged it as low. So this is very interesting to see that my hormone labs show that I have a tendency toward lower testosterone. And the hair tissue mineral analysis reflected by the elevated zinc to copper ratio here would be suggestive of hormone imbalances. So there we have another concordant data set, which to me, this is this was really cool as from, from a clinical standpoint and wanting to use hair tissue and mineral analysis because it's very non-invasive. You don't have to go to a lab. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. And maybe it can help give us more data points. And based on, again, N of one isn't what you want to use all the time, but I think it's still useful and still very, very helpful for helping us identify potential routes that would help us guide treatment. There's one more thing I wanted to point out here that based on my thyroid labs that I had back in, this is, this is more than a year ago. I need to get some updated extensive hormone panels, but I ran LSH, or excuse me, FSH and LH, which are two hormones produced by your pituitary gland that help initiate the hormonal cascade. And LH in males is actually, well, in females as well, LH, luteinizing hormone, is what leads to the creation of testosterone. So luteinizing hormone is the signal your brain sends to your testes to produce testosterone in the latex cells of your testicles. And my luteinizing hormone is on the lower end of the reference range. For those of you listening to the podcast, the ratio from the lab or the range is 1.7, 8.6. I'm at 2.5. So I'm pretty low. So this tells me that potentially my low testosterone markers could be coming from lack of communication from the brain. Or, and this is sort of my, my working thought clinically, is that my body has adapted to this low level of testosterone because I don't really have a lot of testosterone symptoms. I, I still continue to hit PRs in the gym. I feel like I recover well for the most part. I feel like I have good energy. I feel like my libido is fine. And so I, I really don't have any of these hallmark symptoms of low testosterone, which has really led me to think that, as I said earlier, your health is more than just what your lab says. And while the labs can be really, really useful, really impactful, we really want to take into account your whole environment, your whole picture. But I think none, nothing else, it at least adds concordance to the idea that the results from the hair tissue mineral analysis aren't just making stuff up and they're not just throwing these ratios out with no sort of no hope in mind or, you know, three sheets to the wind, that there's actually some crossover that happens here. And there's some very interesting data points that are sort of culminating to a, a similar finding. One more ratio I wanted to point out because I thought it was, it was significant to look at is they say the calcium to magnesium ratio is associated with blood sugar and metabolic health, and they want ideal to be at seven. I'm at 6.5, and I'm right in the middle of the reference range, and my metabolic labs are, from my perspective, about as good as they could be. I mean, hemoglobin A1C, well within the optimal range, very low insulin levels, fasting blood glucose is fine, great triglycerides. So really, I have, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have really good metabolic health. So again, it was very interesting that the hair tissue mineral analysis reflected that my blood sugar might be in pretty good shape. So really my, my biggest takeaway from all of this, and why did you, for those of you who listened to me blabber for 25 minutes, I thank you. But what I took away from all of this 
is that a hair tissue mineral analysis may be a cost-effective, minimally invasive way to get a snapshot of the state of your nervous system. So are you are you more parasympathetic? Are you running? Or are you more in that rest and digest? Or are you more sympathetic and running from that dang bear to get an indication of your thyroid function and your overall metabolic output and potentially even metabolic rate and your overall hormone function? But I cannot say this enough. Just because the labs reflect one state of my nervous system or one state of my hormones does not mean that is who I am. That does not mean that that's going to happen in perpetuity. This is going to be something that I'm continuing to run at least yearly to get an extensive hormone blood panel and compare that to the hormone results from the ratios reflected in the hair tissue mineral analysis right here. So I think this is really cool data, stuff I'm starting to pay attention to more clinically. And the, the really one of the last things I wanted to mention is I'm still a huge fan of the Oura Ring since it gives you data and feedback in real time. So every night when you sleep, it'll the the output will change, the numbers will change. So you can see how the behaviors and whether you have caffeine or you have wine, if you work out too late, if you sleep in a cool bedroom, if you travel, if you took melatonin, if you wore a sleep mask, if you wore earplugs, you can all use that to help get a sense of what's happening to your state of your nervous system, what's happening to your sleep and overall recovery. So I really think between using the Oura Ring, blood testing and hair tissue mineral analysis, you can get a really comprehensive review of these three different body systems. And if you know your nervous system, if you know your thyroid function and you know your overall hormone output, I think you have a really, really, really good spot for evaluating your health and helping you decide, hey, what things do I need to do? What things do I need to do to improve my health? Thank you all for trusting me to be a part of your day. If you enjoyed the show and found it informative or entertaining, we invite you to share the love by leaving a five-star rating or review on your podcast platform of choice or by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And until next time, trust in your gut.